The Kilkenny Hurling Podcast with Eddie Skelly and Robbie Dowling. Brought to you by KCLR and Scoreline.ie. It's the Kilkenny Hurling Podcast brought to you by KCLR. Each week, myself, Robbie Dowling and Eddie Scally look at the stories dominating hurling in Kilkenny and beyond. I am joined in studio, as always, by Eddie. Eddie, how are you? I'm very good, Robbie. And yourself? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, quite enough weekend, obviously, with the Allianz National Hurling Leagues being off. A couple of uh, games taking place, the Fitzgibbon Cup final, of course, and also CBS on unfortunately losing to Nina um, in the schools but uh, nevertheless some talking points um, but anything from the weekend that you'd like to reflect on before we get into it? Yeah, no, no. I think I think uh, Jamie Wall there and and um, yeah. young Collins there um, were involved with Mary Oye. I think that was a big, big win for them uh, to beat UL by a point. I think it was two fourteen. Won't be two points. Two fourteen to one fifteen. Mm. Um, I think UL were going for three in a row or four in a row in the Fitzgibbon. You know, it's just showing how strong everything is in Limerick. Really, um, there's only the one Kilkenny representative between two teams. Ian Byrne there from Dunamagan <coughs> came on as a sub. I think he came on as a sub. He got a point anyway in the game, but massive win for Mary Oye. It's it's. An important competition to Fitzgibbon. Um, personally, I think it's been played at the wrong time of the year. Um, I think people won't agree with me on this, but I think the Fitzgibbons should be moved and played in November or December and get it done and get it finished. It's it's with the split season now. You've intercounty players are being dragged and pulled, and I think there's too much being asked of them. And I think unfortunately, I know we'll come on to it later on in the in the show. Davy Burke there from Roscommon obviously had a bit of a meltdown over the lack of time he was getting his players on the pitch to actually train collectively as a group and he didn't highlight the Fitzgibbons or the, the football come to Sigerson's he didn't hi- highlight them as the the issue but he strongly hinted at it and I know it was hinted at it to us on the radio a couple of times as well mm. that they weren't happy with matches on Thursday nights and stuff like that it's something the GEA is going to have to look at though because you hear this famous player burnout and I can tell you that there's there's an awful lot being expected of and the Camogie girls the same as an awful lot being expected of the ladies footballers Camogie players the whole lot very early in the season yeah seems to be the case uh, we'll kind of touch on that topic it obviously is a Kilkenny Hurling podcast not a lot of talking points around Kilkenny Hurling so we'll kind of uh, broaden the spectrum for today's episode we have a lot to get through uh, any more general conversation we'll start off with Adam Screeny I suppose and it's not necessarily just looking at Adam Screeny but looking at a forward like Adam Screeny a player like Adam Screeny very very talented we've seen that at underage level for his school and for Offaly um, but you are questioning and a lot of people are questioning is there a place in the game for a forward like that in 2024 but this is it you know like he's one of the most exciting hurlers in the country because he does stand out I think he's 5 foot 8 probably weighs less than 10 stone he's not he's not a he's not a big man Um I know and I've, I've read articles about him he's put on a little bit of weight and all that but he played he played his first National League game against Wexford uh, down in Wexford last week and, and the question it's not specifically to Adam Screeny but the question is <clears throat> are players now the nowadays hurler the modern game hurlers are they all just massive men and is there no place now for your small silky skillful bullet of a player or how is he going to fit into the game and you know, it's it's just somebody like Adam going in a corner forward, going in at wing forward, getting picked up by a six foot three corner back or a six foot three wing back <clears throat> who's physically going to be probably fourteen, fifteen stone, absolute machine. Like how do they how do they mind themselves on the pitch? How do they handle themselves on the pitch? I'm, like I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. I'd be very interested to see what people think, but the nowadays it seems like the hurlers are just becoming huge men like. That good thing, bad thing, indifferent well, it's 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 never a good thing um, if if it, if it goes that way. I mean, 
that I can just looking at it, the modern trends, <laughs> forward lines, the 2018 All Ireland final, the average height and weight of the goal with forwards that day was six foot two and fourteen and a half stone. <sighs> so, like they, they were a big team to be fair, but on the Limerick team that they were playing against, the Limerick side, it was six foot one and just fourteen stone was the average weight. So I'd say Limerick are after getting bigger because they had like Mulcahy that time, didn't they? They're after getting come on and this is it. Like they're that. after getting way bigger now. Um, Graham Mulcahy I'm just saying this he was the only player under 6 foot tall in either attack so like it's been going that way for a long time Um, I I just I just don't know what it is Um, like they're saying this in the articles that you're reading in the paper they're saying that the inter-county managers are specifically targeting Six foot players, six foot one, six foot two. They're not looking at small players anymore. Um, like you look at Tommy Walsh. Like Tommy Walsh was physically, he was small. He had the heart of a line, but he was physically small. Um, yeah. Would Tommy Walsh survive in a game like today? I'm sure he would because he's so brilliant. But I don't know. What do you think yourself, Rob? I don't know. I think like I look at Adam Screeny coming up through the underage grades and like the skill level is outrageous. And you'd always like to see somebody with that sort of skill blossom. But then you look at the harsh reality of it and in the cold light of day, like, is it just moving that way? I look at rugby, say, for example, where there was a time where at least your wingers or maybe your scrum half was, you know, <clears throat> not absolutely filled with muscle. They obviously were quite muscular men. But, you know, it's just gone to a stage in in that sport where you have to be of a certain size to play at the highest level. And, and you would wonder... Like is hurling going that way? I think football has got, has completely gone that way. There's very few Colin Gooch Coopers like Peter Canavan players of that ilk blossoming in in football anymore. Even look at the best player in the country at the moment, David Clifford. Like he's a considerable size about him, really. You know, there's a power um, about the man. There probably isn't that same power to the likes of an Adam Screen. We're not just poking at him. It's just because he's such a good hurler that we're able to highlight it. But it, it would worry me because if if we're all going to be kind of generic six foot two, six foot three physical freaks everybody's going to be the same and it's just going to be who's the best rather than who has something different to offer and that would be my big worry I think sport is supposed to be different to other aspects of life and it's kind of becoming homogenised in that aspect it, I think it, it could be um, like you have to think the other thing the other attribute that Adam Screeny has is his work rate like he won't be outworked on the field by any player he will <clears throat> if it's not working for him if he's not getting the ball if he's not winning his own ball he'll chase and he'll tackle and he'll, he'll work work hard really hard but he's going to have to I'm just looking at some of the stats that were passed out the other thing that was knocked about as well was that they're saying in 2012, the top nine counties used 43 under-21 players in the championship. That number has fallen to just 15 now, under-21 players playing in the championship from the top nine counties. So what it seems to me is teams are now looking for... Now, Adam Screen is very young as well, so he's, ah, he he's definitely... Fairness, he's yeah. only 19, so he's, you know, he's, he's genuinely... He's booking a trend here yeah. himself. But what's happening is it seems to me that inter-county managers are looking for players... 20 plus so 21, 22, 23 years of age at least they're not coming taking the players from the under 21 panels anymore they're going a year later and they're looking for a certain type of player they're looking for 6 foot plus you know athletic big big person big man to go out and, 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 and manage it on the field and I think there's probably a, a number of reasons why they're doing that and I think one of the reasons maybe as well they're a little bit older now they might be just finished in college 21, 22 they might be able to commit more to the training programs. Yeah, they might be able to commit that's more. That's true as well. And I think that's what could be happening a small bit. But it is. I think it's interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what happens this year in the championship because when you see, like, you even look at the Kilkenny team. Like, we're no different either. Like, there's no, there's no oh, small lads yeah. on that Kilkenny team. Mikey Butler being the exception, um, but he's still a very big physical man in terms of his like 
strength. He is. Um, and Mikey, again, you know, like Mikey's very slight. Um, mm. Jordan Malloy had a bit of a go at it this year. I don't think Jordan's a huge man either. Oh. Um, and and even in the in the in the league in the county championships, Dave Fogarty that was excellent at wing back as mm. well. And again, he's not a huge man either. But in general, if you look at the Kilkenny team, particularly the forwards, they're all towering above six foot. And I think it's the type of players that that every manager is looking for is these big men that can go win their own ball and it can be rained down on top of them like we've some of the best hands in hurling or in Kilkenny these lads are able to get up and get them balls out of the sky but I just wonder what will happen in five or six years time is there a place in hurling for the old style player like Ronnie or you know as I said to you Tommy Walsh currently and Adam Screeny like where where are they going to be and how how do you manage that I don't know what to do like it's okay for people like me I suppose they're outside of the game saying oh, it'll be great to go back to the days when we had a forward like that but you're a manager Eddie you've been a successful manager and are currently a successful manager um, like what do you look for in a forward like if somebody was 6 foot 2 6 foot 3 15 stone and you knew he was going to get you you know win ball get 2-3 points a game are you going to go with him ahead of maybe you know somebody that's a little bit slighter but could develop into a better hurler? Yeah, you suppose it, it's it's a results game, so you, mm. the results are demanded straight away. P- people aren't happy to wait two or three years for players to develop. Um, me, I always like to have mobile people in my forwards. I like to have space, lads that can exploit it. You know, where back defenders don't like being isolated out in the middle of a field in the corner where a ball can be drilled left and right and that will play straight into the hands of a player like like Adam Screeny like. but you know you are, you are looking at it you're trying to get yourself players that are plus six foot if you can at all I mean that's the dream you know you want a big big forward line that's going to be able to number one win their own puck outs and number two the half forwards that to be able to drop back into your own half back line and become you know very very good in the air defending against a long puck out you know that's that's the dream uh, Robbie it's different at club level in the sense that your club is who you have and that's it you're not yeah, going to be able to yeah. manufacture anyone but if you were a Derek Ling or a, you know, a, a, a Tom Mullally and you're travelling around watching matches I'd say that the players are standing out to you you're looking at it I, I would say now this is probably a strange way of answering this but I'd say a Derek or a Tom Mullally will spot a 6 foot 2 lad doing well and say he can add something I'd say a 5 foot 6 or a 5 foot 7 lad will have to absolutely light it up to be noticed because the first thing they're going to think is he's too small Okay, so just to to leave it on this, I suppose we asked a question, you asked a question, uh, will that sort of forward, an Adam Screeny, a player of that ilk, be dormant or close to extinction by kind of 2030? They could be, unless... In the inter-county game, that. In the inter-county game, they could be, unless a team goes and wins in All-Ireland and does it with, you know, a small forward. I mean, mm. I'm thinking back, I remember Peter Atkinson at midfield for, for Wexford, he wasn't a huge man. Ch- uh, Cha wasn't a huge man mm. at midfield Richie for Kilkenny. Richie Hogan, of course. Richie Hogan, um, Jamie Barron with Waterford. Mm. You know, so there is there is a place um, for them in the game. Definitely there is. But at the moment, it, it genuinely looks like we're creating our county teams in labs at the moment. Um, that they're it's all just huge, like, you know, yeah. so... Be interesting to see what happens over the next few years. No, it will, and I'm sure the conversation will move on uh, throughout the months and years to come. Uh, another conversation that dominated really over the last couple of weeks is the promotion of hurling. We only got to touch on this last weekend or on last week's podcast podcast because uh, we were so uh, consumed with all the hurling action that took place over the weekend. But kind of kind of want to delve into this a little bit more, Eddie. Um, the promotion of hurling. I suppose we were chatting about the promotion of hurling in counties that are very weak historically in hurling and are currently quite weak. But we might even go into the promotion of hurling in the bigger counties. But to start off with the likes of, you know, your louts who have who've come up a lot, a lot of teams obviously up in Ulster and in Connacht as well. Um, you know, hurling 
is it promoted? If so, how well is it promoted? And what needs to change for Hurling to become more of a dominant sport or at least play it at some sort of a level in these counties? Yeah, it's interesting because when we, we, we started this conversation last week and we only touched on it a small bit and one of the people that made contact with me personally was Michael Larkin who would have been in the backroom team with Sligo. Um, they won the Nicky Rackard, Nicky Rackard a couple, yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. of years back and he had said that <clears throat> there's no promotion you know, in primary schools and places like that west of the Shannon in, 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 in any county uh, Sligo included there's no promotion in Ireland at all other than Galway so and it's he said the bigger counties kind of nearly look down their noses at the smaller counties so it's not it's not something that is being promoted now Michael would have been in school with me so he would have been the same age as me we were in different schools we were in the same secondary school but he said a national school in the Maris National School where he went there was no hurling. He played bum ball too. So <laughs> there, there, was, there was no hurling. He thought it was just a Maris thing. Maybe it's just an Athlone thing. I don't know. But he did no hurling in, in, in our national schools. And I think that's where it has to be. That's where it has to start. This talking about what's happening on the Sunday game, about the senior game, it, what it comes back to to me is, and this is, it's, 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 it might seem simplistic in what I'm saying, the clubs are in trouble. And as a result of clubs being in trouble, counties are going to start suffering then very quickly. When you have such small numbers playing, there's big, big problems. In in Kilkenny right now, I think there's 47, is there 47? I think that's it, 47 clubs. 46 or 47 clubs in Kilkenny. Unbelievable. There's six senior hurling clubs in Carlow. So Carlow won a Joe Mack last year with six senior hurling clubs. I think they had one player playing intermediate hurling. Everybody else was made up of them six clubs. Like that's... No matter what way you look at it, that's not healthy. That's not going. Carlo are now going to try and survive in the Leinster Hurling Championship and go as far as they can in the All Ireland series with six senior clubs coming up against teams like Kilkenny with forty-seven clubs, or go to Tipperary. I think there's an equal number. Cork is an absolutely insane number of clubs. And relative, just to say, I don't spot in Eddie, but just relative to like the even smaller counties, like Carlo are closer to the top of the food chain than the bottom. Yeah, oh, Car- but Carlow are punching so far above yeah. their weight, um, and it's a dual county as well. Like of I mean, course, yeah. football in in Carlow is promoted and, and and pushed as hard as hurling, if not more so. Like it's probably more a football county. They won't thank me for saying that, yeah. but there's more football clubs. But the point that I would say is. First of all, in the national schools, every national school in this country should have some form of a GEA person going into the school and it should be one week hurling, one week football and start working with kids five, six, seven, eight years of age, giving them the basics. And that's all kids, boys, girls, everybody involved and give them a love of the game. And I think as well, if you look at some of the real schools like in in town here, St. Cairns, places like that, like they have a hurling lab in there where they have the screens for the lads to look back and analyse games and see how they can improve and stuff. If we could make it fun for the kids and get them up and get them going and teaching them, bring it back to the club then, all the clubs get involved. I've I've a massive fear and people kind of, they don't look at it now, but we're driving into this at 100 miles an hour. Councils, without getting political, are fi- I find it very hard to get plan permission in small rural areas. So you take a place like Skiok Foshing where blacks and whites are, you're not going to get plan permission very easy to build a house there because they want people to live in urban centres. So what happens then is you end up with super clubs like Dixborough GEA Club, all them houses getting built out around there. Dixborough GEA Club in a few years' time are going to have a scenario where they're either A, going to be fielding five or six under tens teams, or B, there's going to be 50 or 60 kids not able to play hurling because they'll have no club. They're in the Dixborough diaspora. That's where they have to play and Dixborough will have too many players. Meanwhile, clubs like Blacks and Whites will struggle to field under tens, twelves, fourteen, sixteen. Like even right now, Blacks and Whites are amalgamating at minor just to put a team on the field. 
And that's that's going to happen right across the board. You watch every club in this country. And it is it is happening, I suppose, isn't it? You think about Galmoy and Winegap having to come together uh, recently at, at underage level. And you look at it, I think I said it last week or a couple of weeks ago, like ultimately three town teams are at, at the absolute worst in the top five in Kilkenny at the moment. And there's an argument to be made that the, that the village have regressed but are still comfortably in the top five. Like, due to sheer weight of numbers. But this is it. It's, it's, it's down to the volume of people that are there. Like, as you said, James Stevens, you know, Dicks for Lachlan Gales, they've, they've an absolutely massive advantage. And I'm not knocking any of these clubs either for one second, but they've a huge, a huge advantage on the volume of people that they have available to them. But Robbie, what's going to happen is, I think Kilkenny needs another club. I think the city will need an extra club. Something has to happen because all them players, they're not going to get to play. Like, is it conceivable that some of the O'Loughlin Gales that maybe look at the, the parish lines and draw it a little bit that some Clara could steal a few of these players or maybe Tullerone might rob a few on the Tullerone Road there on the way out of Dixborough? I don't know, but what's going to happen is small clubs are going to be wiped out. They are going to be wiped out. They're Do you think just go- they're just going to go, some of them? Yeah, well, what's keeping the small clubs going at the moment is, is, is that they're the heart of the community. I mean, you take... Blacks and whites, they have a brilliant club up there. Like they're they're really good people. So if someone passes away, it's the GA club that'll help, they'll manage the car parks, they'll do all of that. Nine out of ten things like that happen back at the clubhouse, they'll have the tea and sandwiches yeah. back there. So it's for that reason and that reason alone, more so than hurling or football or anything else. It's the social aspect of the GA pitches. And they're trying everything. But unfortunately, you can't create people like and if these areas aren't regenerating and getting more people moving into them and you know culturally getting a lot more people to live there obviously they're going to fall away and what's happening now is the better not the better players but the lads that are getting to 25, 26 from places like that they're moving to Dublin they're moving to Australia they're moving away so a club like Wine Gap or Galmoy or Blacks and Whites they can't afford to lose three or four players to immigration whereas a club like Dixborough or James Stevens or Ballyhale not Ballyhale sorry Dixborough, James Stevens or O'Loughlin Gales they can handle it a little bit better. You look at Ballyhill this year in the championship. Yeah. Ballyhill lost six or seven players all at the same time, all you know, going to different places. And that was the difference. Not to take anything away from O'Loughlin's, but anyway, I mean, but if the Shamrocks had those players, you would have thought they would have you know, got two extra points in the final with, with respect. It, they, they could have. Like, you know, you, you wouldn't... You can't say that. No, you can never say that. Definitively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... When I said it to you at the start of the year that I thought this was the year Shamrocks were going to get caught, the reason I felt they were going to get caught wasn't because I felt that they'd regressed as a team. I mm. felt that they'd lost too many players to yeah. travelling and emigration. But in fairness to them, what was brilliant by them was they still managed to get themselves to the county final on pure heart and determination. Yeah. Now, obviously, a lot of skill as well in there. but Quite a bit. But that's Ballyhale's one thing. And this is where the other clubs will tell you, the Dixboroughs and these clubs will tell you, they're competing with rugby, they're competing with soccer, they're competing with tennis. Ballyhale's competing with nothing. It's hurling, hurling, hurling. And that's the way it is. And then other places like your Wine Gaps, your Gallimoys, your Connies, they're hurling all the way too. But unfortunately, I think, and this is what they're on about the promotion of the games and they're worried about counties falling away from the game or whatever else. That's fine. But I actually think what's going to happen is clubs are going to start falling away. And I think when clubs start falling away, we're in big trouble. It's a really interesting conversation around clubs in Kilkenny particularly, but it might be one maybe for another day. I'm not, I'm not sure. But just in relation to the, the smaller counties, Eddie, because for me that's a big thing as well in terms of how would, are they actually going to get hurling to be a bigger sport than what it currently is because it's still quite small and people don't want to admit this but you know it hasn't really grown an awful amount since its inception um, like do you think and I think we touched on it very briefly last week we're in a county at the moment 
basically, you know, not basically, they are the most successful county in the history of hurling. It's embedded within the culture in Kilkenny, uh, the sport is. But do you think the counties like Kilkenny, like Tipperary, like Cork and, and other traditional hurling counties care a jot about smaller counties improving in hurling? Do you think it matters to them? No. They'll, they'll say it does, mm. but it, it really doesn't. And it's where I see that is when you get somebody like Michael Arkin coming back to me and saying that it's it's not being promoted in the schools and the whole lot. So, like, the truth of the matter is, now I know Michael Dignan has went in with Offaly and he's trying to regenerate the whole thing in Offaly and, 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 and get Offaly. He had Offaly. something to build off, though, didn't he? Historically, I suppose. Well, there, there, Offaly is history in it. That's like, what I mean, I mean, yeah. You go to somewhere like Sligo or Westmead. Yeah. Now, Westmead are punching above their weights. Joe Fortune's doing a great job up there. But, like in all honesty, there's nothing. There's not even a result to build off. If that makes sense, no, not, not in Westmead, but some of the smaller well, countries. Definitely not. You know, even the likes of Loud and stuff with so many small amounts of clubs and everything. It all comes back to that. But like lads will tell you, oh, it's it's so it's so important and all that. But really, is it? Hmm. Do you know, like genuinely, I don't think that Clare or and I, and I mean this, I don't think Clare or Kilkenny or, or or Waterford or Cork or anybody else for that matter really matters or worries about what's happening in. Loud or Sligo. Do you think no. that's wrong? Yeah, well, it is because it's, it's, it's not. You have to worry about yourself first and foremost. You have to make sure your own house is in order. But at the same time, there's a bigger thing at play, and it's the sport. Yeah, and we're general. all we're all hurling people. We're not all Kenny people, Carlo, oh. Claire, whatever. And, and, and that's that's it. But like, I mean, the only way that that can be assisted and helped is by getting the star players from these counties to travel to the other counties and start promoting the sport there. So you're asking a lot, you know. So you get. Like I've seen it before. I remember when we were kids in my club at home, they brought some of the curry footballers come up and took training sessions with us, like legends of the game, and they come up and took a couple of football sessions with us. But that was because Desi Dolan's dad, Desi Senior, was obviously friendly with a lot of these fellas yeah, and he'd yeah. been involved with I remember the Derry manager, um Coleman, I think it was his Eamon Coleman. He he actually took a session with us as well and it was you know, it was great that we were able to get access to these people and they were real stars. But I think and it does happen to some degrees I know Martin Fogarty has started great work in that process but Martin's finished in his role there is, he is, is yeah. my understanding and yeah, I don't yeah. know if he's been replaced I don't think so no um, so for me I think again you'd be looking at say <clears throat> pardon me the, the Kilkenny players of old the the the, 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 the Limerick Kern players th- things like that and you'd be saying to them look can we get you to go to this school in Loud or can we get you to go to that and like all of these things take time and money as well and it's it, what has to come down to is like I know Michael Dignan has 13 or 14 guys working full time if you look at Michael Fenley the last time we spoke to Michael Fenley he was on about the coaches that were being spread into the schools I'd love to see what's happening in, in Sligo or in Loud I guarantee you there's not 13 or 14 nothing. lads going in there but there's um, absolutely nothing I would have thought well, that's, that's the thing and like it's, it comes back to if the GA are serious about it and they really want to do it they need to start right now and target every one of these counties it's, it's, it's that simple and say from next year we want every club in, in every county to field an under-10s hurling team and football team so or an under-10s camogie team and ladies football team you have to field both so if you say right we're struggling here we've no coaches that's grand we'll bring in a Derek McGrath brilliant coach let Derek do a morning session with all the coaches teaching them the basics to teach the kids and let them it's the old Mullanoigog is Chucky Sheet it's always that you know bring on the youth yeah. and, and that's what has to happen the GEA will say it is happening I don't know if I if I can see it I, I, I don't. I see it in, in in counties like Kilkenny. The gap is going to widen. That's what's going to happen. Just on this, Eddie, before we we wrap it up, uh, do you think hurling and hurling people, and I don't mean this as a criticism, but as a kind of more of a, a matter of fact, do you think 
it's one of the most insular sports and the people are in a bubble in a sense they, they, they can be sometimes and this is like I know and I don't want to be keeping going back to, to Michael I'm not going to hang him out to no, try no, either no. but the point that he had said to me was back in the day when he was a young fella he played hurling in Athlone he would have played with Southern Gales but he said when you go home to Galway where his parents were his dad was from Galway he said they'd be like do you have hurling down there and I told you that one about Southern Gales you're a little bit condescending at times can't we like? oh 100% and he said it oh they got beaten in a county final and, and your mum was like oh keep it going down there you know you're great like little pat on the head like that is that's sick in your week like yeah you know I, was at, I was at a match uh, recently and um, I just I was chatting about work and I just said oh we've Carlo meet on this Sunday and you could just tell like there was that sort of <laughs> you know what I mean like Carlo meet that's so beneath us in a way do you yeah. know what I mean like and that's just it's just the way it is isn't it it is unfortunately it is um, but I, I think just be careful what you wish for as well these lads in the bubble and they'll all tell you that oh it's so important and we wanted an instant great and the whole lot I don't know I think Genuinely, as I said to you already, it brings for me everything comes back to your club. Everything comes back to the national schools. Are we promoting them? Yes, we are in Kilkenny. Are we doing that the same in Louth? Are we doing that the same mm-hmm. in Mead? Are we doing that the same in Sligo? If we're not, the GA need to sit back, look at it. I know um, Michael Michael Dygdon had that division thing where it was sustainable club coverage, vibrant games program, high performance pathway, financial stability, and respected brand. There were five things that he wanted to do for Offaly Hurland that was what he wanted to build on in Offaly and Michael Fenley here the last day you could see all the core values that he was putting in place I think the same programme needs to be rolled out across the country and I think what has to happen if we're going to do it the way you'll fix it is tackling them as young as possible and getting the best coaches available to them get them into the schools and get them going but I think the starting point is insisting clubs field an under-10s hurling and an under-10s football team and if you start doing that you'll find it but we also need to manage our clubs because that's the next thing that's going to be you mark my words there won't be a word about the club scene till it's too late and when you see it already like you've pointed out Wine Gap and Galmoy was it? Yeah. Uh, Blacks and Whites are amalgamating with somebody this year to play a minor um, like that's an intermediate hurling club in Kilkenny yeah. that has to amalgamate and it's down to population simple as it just doesn't have the population whereas if you go to somewhere like Goran they'll have no problem fielding teams but where you end up in trouble is when you end up with thousands of kids in one region, that team won't be able to play them all and we're going to lose kids to other sports. That's a good point, actually. I think it's definitely a conversation that we could um, have at another stage in, kind of in more depth. Uh, we don't have the time for the moment. Um, so we'll move on, Eddie. Uh, as I said, we will come back to that conversation, I'm sure, throughout the weeks. Uh, Davy Burke is the Common football manager. This isn't going to turn into a Common football podcast, don't worry. Um, but we are going to link it into Hurling um, because he did come out yesterday. We're recording on Monday for people that don't know. Um, on Saturday evening, he said, rather, uh, basically criticising, not criticising, but he said the players need to kind of buck up a bit for Common after they lost to Dublin in the Allianz National Football League up in Croke Park. And he said, if they want to improve and compete at this level, they need to be out on the training pitch tomorrow morning, which would have been Sunday morning. Um, and then he said something that really has caught the eye, and I know I was chatting with you about this uh, on air yesterday on Scoreline. Uh, they've trained 65 times this year he said and then obviously a lot of people kind of took up on that and gave their opinions whatever it might be um, inter-county sport if you're training 65 times already is that a good thing is it a really bad thing what sort of a thing is it Eddie well I suppose <coughs> this is first and foremost Davey's obviously really disappointed after yeah. being beaten in a match and he's a little bit he's a little bit blood pressure is up 
the comment he was making, and this is where it's getting lost on it, the comment he was making was that they've had as, as many as 65 sessions and he hasn't had his full panel for any training session. That's the comment he was making. Mm. He wasn't in any way saying about all the training that they're doing. What he was commenting on is the fact that he's not getting access to his players. And in order for him to have any chance to make these lads com- competitive at that level, he needs his players. Now, I would say what he was hinting at, the undertone there is, your Sigersons. Now, Fitzgibbon's not going to matter to Roscommon um, senior football team, but the Sigersons Cup will. And the Freshers' competitions will. And Roscommon will have lost a ton of players playing for the colleges. They would have probably been struggling with players for the club as well. St. Bridget's had a massive run in the football championship as well. So he would have lost out on all of St. Bridget's players also. St. Bridget's got beaten in the All-Ireland final, uh, club final. Um, you're looking at me like I'm wrong here, Robbie. I'm pretty confident I'm not though no you're right yeah no I yeah, am sorry yeah. <laughs> that's okay because <laughs> I was looking Glenn, at, yeah. yeah they got beaten by Glenn in yeah, the yeah. final but all the Glenn players were back playing with Derry the following week I can guarantee the St. Bridges players weren't back to Davy straight away like that now I don't know I'm not involved in Roscommon mm, and there football. was criticism of the Glenn players coming back the next week there was criticism from outside of that camp yeah. Mickey Hart obviously wants his own players as quick as possible the yeah. Glen lads want to play Connor Glass is the best player in the country probably outside of David Clifford or Pawdy but he was back and straight into the team and they went down to Curry and won that game it was so it's a big thing for them they need to stay in that Division 1 that's what they want to do and Ross Common are the same so I think first and foremost Davy's comment was 65 sessions and no one there the second comment I would make to you and this is something that people don't understand what Davy Burke will be doing is he'd be planning training sessions around his players. So basically, the college lads might train on a Wednesday or a Friday or a Saturday morning when he can do it. So he'll take that. The lads that aren't in college could be training on Sunday. So it's not that every Roscommon player has attended 65 training sessions so far this year. I can guarantee you what's happened is it's broken down. So the one person who's been at all them training sessions more than likely will be Davy Burke yeah, yeah. or his strength and conditioning coaches. So people are reading between the lines and they're coming up with the whole they're overtraining and they're doing too much and yeah. they're doing this and that and the other I, I don't think that's the case I actually think reading what Davy is saying and, and kind of taking it the way I'm interpreting it is he feels that he's not getting access to his players and despite putting on all these training sessions he still hasn't and he actually his quote he said we have trained 65 times and we've had our full squad together zero times Okay. Now that's that's a massive statement and that's where the problem lies and he is saying how are we going to be competitive? Don't be under any illusions. Courier after training 30 or 40 times this year minimum. I can guarantee you that the full panel there training. I can guarantee you Dublin have a full panel training. So he's not playing off an even keel there. Hmm, it's interesting. We had Willie Quinlan on, um, our Carlo football expert on the show yesterday. He was chatting to us after Carlo lost to Leash uh, in the Allianz National Football League. Basically for people that don't know, Carlo went five points to no score up after 25 minutes. They were six points to five up at half time and completely petered out in the second half. They lost by two goals and 14 points and nine points. Willie put that strongly down to strength and conditioning. So I suppose what he's implying in that is that Carlo need to improve in their strength and conditioning, which means they're going to have to give more time to it and give more time to actually, uh, you know, playing football for Carlo and more time to the intercounty game. Do you think in itself, I'd say he's dead right to be honest with you. He knows more about Carlo football than most people. But do you think in itself that is almost an issue? The fact that it's just more and more and more, and like, is that ever going to stop? No, it's he's. I not. I, I won't individualise it down to any county and say they need to do this or they need to do that but what I would say to you is it's keeping up with the Joneses that's what I mean it's just constantly trying to keep up the bar is continually being raised Mm. so if if Kilkenny get up to the level that Limerick were at last year won't be good enough to win the All-Ireland because they have to get up to the level that Limerick are at this year so because that bar is continually rising the challenges that come with that are, are, are much 
much deeper. If you look back, and Willie be the first to tell you this, if you look back to when Willie played football with Carlo and compare it to, say, Willie's condition right now, or Willie's condition back in the day when he played. Now, Willie was an unbelievable oh, athlete as yeah, well yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But what I mean is, from a strength and conditioning point, point of view, if you ask Willie about the training sessions that he would have done with Carlo and then compare them to the training sessions that Niall Carew would be putting these lads through, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah, no comparison. Um, you know, the, the fitness levels would be huge. But the point that he's making is the leash lads in his eyes watching the game the other day he felt that they were far more progressed fitness wise yeah. than the Carlo fellas so there's obviously a big gulf in work that has to be done to catch up with Leash but unfortunately this isn't going to change because what's happening is the fittest teams are winning like Limerick are the fittest team in Hurling in the country there's no one will tell me any different but do you think then because as a consequence of that Eddie I know I'm interrupting a lot today and I don't like people to do that but right. um as a consequence of that, you're going to see the gulf widen between the top teams. And what I mean by that is the top players and the top teams are willing to dedicate more time because they know at the end of it, they might have something that they can cling on to in terms of they have a chance of winning the All-Ireland, they have a chance of winning the Munster Championship, whatever it might be. The players at the bottom of the pile are trying to catch up would probably just be thinking, like, why would I even bother? Like, even if, if we get to that level, we're not going to win anything. So why would I dedicate more and more time of my life at a good age to the inter-county game knowing that they're almost certainly going to be nothing at the end of it other than representing your county which is a great honour but at the moment it doesn't seem to be enough for the smaller counties which is understandable Yeah look interest wanes a small bit like I mean I, I felt last year with Carlo the run in the Joe Mack in the Hurland side specifically that run in the Joe Mack gave everyone a lift in yeah. Carlo and it, it's something to target at the end of the year to win a trophy and play in Crow Park and it was a massive achievement and now to get to play in this so when you're saying and I'm putting Carlo in that smaller category as Hurland even though they're in the mid-range but I'm putting them in a smaller category versus the likes of Limerick or, yeah. or, or that but the, all them Carlo Hurders that are training right now know that they're going to get a chance to have a hop off of Kilkenny in a championship Wexford in a championship Dublin Antrim they, they're going to have a right good crack at this so in order to do that they're going, they know they have to be supremely fit and ready to rock and roll so that's the cherry if you get yeah, me, for yeah. them players it mightn't be there's some lads down in, in, in Waterford right now. Will Waterford win the All-Ireland? I think they're training hard enough in their minds to think that they can win an All-Ireland. Will they? Probably not. Like, only one team wins the All-Ireland. Everyone else doesn't. And I think what everyone tries to do is, Carlo shouldn't be trying to catch Limerick. They should be trying to catch the team one above them. And everyone, you know... But that's that's a carrot. Do you know what I mean? That's something to strive for. It's yes. it's the teams... And I know we're probably talking about football more so than hurling here, to be fair, because I actually think with the Joe Mack, uh, hurling is structured very well at the moment. But it's the teams that have almost nothing to strive for, where you just think they're going to go into a league, very little chance of promoting or doing well in it, going into a championship where it might be Leinster or Munster that are so lopsided, almost no chance of winning it, going into maybe the Talchon Cup. Has that really been kind of received as well as the Joe McDonough Cup up for debate going into an All-Ireland series almost no chance of winning it and it feels like you're starting so early in the season to play for almost nothing maybe bar a memorable victory yeah, it's, look, it's a fair question and it's a fair point you're making. I actually think that that memorable victory in some ways is enough to drive everyone. Yeah, I understand. Dri- drive them on. If you take, and I can't, like I said, I won't individualise counties, but then I just go and name them all as well. But if you take the Waterford senior football team, like they're going to train as hard as any team in the country to try and get themselves the players are falling off though in those counties, they, aren't they? 100% they are, but there's only so much you can take. You know what I mean? You go out and you get mm, beaten. And that's what I mean. Yeah. You have to keep you know dusting yourself off and coming back for more. And the same with their management teams as well. It's It, it can be a bit so 
soul destroying. The Talton Cup, I know you're not as big as fan, and I know people kind of moan and whinge about it a little bit, but it's only it's only very yeah, early. Yeah, no, I think it's been um, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. my own county won it a couple of years ago. Um, I thought it gave football a lift in Westmead. It didn't need a huge lift anyway because the club scene is so strong. But winning the Talton Cup kind of kicked them on a small. But I see they're going really well in the league this year. You know, I'd be disappointed if they don't get promoted in the league. And you know, that's what happens. And I think all teams like that whether it's the Waterford senior football team or the Loud senior hurling team all you're trying to do is catch the lads that are one ahead of you and once you catch mm. them then you catch the lads one ahead of them do you know and, and push it on but it's, it, it isn't simple and you're dead right is the cap widening it's widening because of finance as well and people forget this too everyone wants to sponsor and support the team that's winning all, the, all around mm. them and as a result of that coming true these lads are able to dedicate more time to training because they're looked after a little bit more and I think that's where it's going to go eventually is um, I know Austin Gleeson said it at the weekend yeah. in, in, in an interview in one of the papers Austin Gleeson said that he could see he couldn't see it happening in the next 5 or 6 years but he said in the next 10 to 15 years he'd be stunned if hurling and football isn't gone semi-professional or professional Yeah sure I suppose that brings us brilliantly into that one I know we want to chat about what Donegal Callan, the former Irish Rugby International had to say as well but Austin Gleeson basically saying as you said that uh GA is going to be a professional sport in the not too distant future. Uh, do you agree? Um, I, I do. Um, I I can see. I I can't understand how it hasn't progressed to this level by now. Anyway, to be honest, um, I'm surprised it hasn't because, like you take Austin Gleeson, he's after taking a year out from hurling this year. Like he's one of the most talented hurlers in the country. He took a year out because his body and his mind. He just physically couldn't endure another year of that type of training. Like that's. That's saying something, Robbie. Like, this is one of the best hurlers in Ireland not playing this year for his county. And we're on about the great honour it is to play for your county and everything else. And that's, to me, it's not a personal hit at Davy Fitzgerald by any stretch of it. They seem to get on quite well. And he hinted in that interview he did at the weekend that he'd be back for Waterford next year. But what he might realise next year as well is that he's after missing out on a full year's training. Yeah, yeah. And, he, you know, it might be as easy as he no. thinks. But when you have someone like John Kiley saying that, the Limerick Carters are putting in 26 hours a week into training and you have people like um, Davy Burke saying that there's been 65 training sessions already with Ross Common. You can see how it's getting there. And there's a certain type of player being selected as well. You go and have a look at the occupations of all these lads that are playing inter-county. Are we going to get into that? Well, I'm just being straight. Look no, at the yeah, occupations. Right. Like, no, right. How many bricklayers do you think are block yeah. layers? Them days are gone. That's nearly that is nearly extinct, isn't it? But you're tradesperson or anything like that. At all, go out and lay blocks all day long, and then go and try and train in the evening with an intercounty team, and you can't lift your arms. Not the chance. But you may, you may also forget about a job that requires evening work or weekend work or anything like that. There's no hope. Every every intercounty player in the country, almost every intercounty player in the country, is a teacher or a lecturer. Yeah. No, it's true. Or they're in that type of a role. Even some like I seen a lad there at the weekend who's going past out in the army in two weeks' time. Fabulous hurler as well, good kid, and he's going to pass out as a soldier in two weeks' time. And he's qualified and he's going to be stationed in Kilkenny. His club are absolutely loving it because he is going to be in serious condition. Mm. And with the army, the army is a lovely fit. Um, unless you're going towards the duty to Leb and stuff like that, it is a nice fit. Mm. Um, school teacher. Gardaí Aconas, then there's some of them are a nice fit. Like Eddie Brennan is a guard. I, I think nowadays there's not a huge amount of guards, but Eddie obviously was able to balance his work and life balance. But in general, they have to take. I'm not going to say the handy jobs, but they have to take nine well, to no, five jobs. No, but the reality of it is, and we could, we could veer into a very different conversation. It's not good for the professions either if they're going in for that reason. But I mean that again. That's probably not for us. That might be for other shows on KCLR. Um, but like. 
you know, it's it's not good. For, it couldn't be good for the individual to go into a profession, which is obviously such a big part of anybody's life, purely off the GA, which is going to end by the time you're 30. Yeah, well, I, look, I think you have to remember as well, like these lads aren't becoming teachers because they, they want to play hurling. They're becoming teachers because they want to be teachers. And it's a lovely balance to allow them to play hurling. Um, staying in college, doing, I, I, I know, I know multiple hurlers and footballers up and down the country that are on about their 19th college course at this stage mm, yeah. um, they'd nearly be lecturing in the colleges the way they're going but they're there but the other thing as well that was always a lovely job for GA people was reps um, you know whether it's sales rep with yeah. different drinks companies or, or supplement companies or the bigger factories and stuff but the bank the bank is another great one yeah like um, but if you look at it if you you know they, they want these people to be the face of their brands anyway because they're you know they're such good people to have involved yeah. um, but it's about finding that balance. This is what I'm saying to you. You're not going to get too many lads that are going to be laying blocks all day. I'd actually challenge you to try and find me uh, one. No. I, I highly doubt it. I know, say, for example, uh, we talk about Kilkenny lacking a forward, a very good forward, Jerry Edward, and he's a tradesman. He just, nah, just bowed out. When he was, and he played well for Kilkenny when he was in there. You know, he just couldn't do it, I think. You find it too tough. I think, is he back in there this year? I don't know. Jerry Edward from Glenmore. I, not that I know. No, and mix him up with the lad from Bennett's Bridge there, sorry. Oh, Blanchfield. Yeah, he's yeah, back yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a tradesman, though. No. No yeah. chance. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it is. It's, it's, it, do you know what? It, it just can't be done. It's just... I, I, I don't think it can be done. I don't think it's physically possible. And I think Austin Gleeson might be onto something there in 10 or 15 years' time. Is it a chance that we could be semi-professional? I would love to do a competition. I remember Pat's plan did it years ago in the shortest pair of shorts in the history of the world and his farmer tan on his arms and the whole lot. But he was over in America. I think they went to America. It was a, it was an awful yoke anyway, but it was like, you know, all these different sports people took each other on and this fitness challenge. Uh, people, I, I, I'm even too young to remember it. I just remember seeing it on Reeling in the Years or something. Yeah. I remember Jimmy McGee commentating on it or whatever. But I would love to see a challenge where we take 10 senior inter-county hurlers, 10 senior inter-county footballers and 10 League of Ireland soccer players and put them through the paces on a fitness test. I can guarantee you. And 10 rugby players. I guarantee you that the hurlers and footballers will be right there. They'll be the condition that they're in will be the same. I, yeah, I remember watching something about it. I don't know if it was a documentary or something like that um, where it was literally like, yeah, no, the, a Premier League soccer player, whatever it might be, maybe not Premier League, yeah. is of a similar standard fitness-wise to an inter-county player. Yeah, but how, like Donegal Callan's comments about it, and this is where we pushed on to that one, mm. he said, it's harder to be a GEA star than a full-time pro. And he's, what his point was it is harder because they have to get a work-life balance yeah. they have to work a 9 to 5 job Monday to Friday and then fit all of this in into their spare time whereas you have your Munster rugby players they're down this morning yeah. and they're in camp training together and I I don't know if we can afford to go professional I was just going to ask you that was an, I, I, you know we've spoken a lot about the challenges and the burdens about playing inter-county but is there actually a market for a professional GAA do you think? I don't know if there's a market for it. It's like I, I really don't know the structures. A lot of structures that have to change if you were to do it um, as a spectacle. It'd probably become, you know, a, a much different type of game to watch because to be all even fitter than they already are. Yeah. Um, I, I, I personally, I think it's like everything else. Everything evolves, everything changes, and it moves on in the whole lot. <clears throat> I could see it if if it does happen, they'll make it pay. They'll make it work. Um, you know, you'll you'll still have your big financiers coming in behind you. You'll have your big companies to keep the 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 boat afloat, as they say. But like at the moment, 
I would say most intercounty managers, if not, I can't say all, but most intercounty managers and backroom teams and the whole lot, you'd be stunned if you seen what money was being spent at that level oh, yeah. with the with the whole backroom teams and the whole lot. So then, I don't know what's what's a justifiable wage for an intercounty hurler. Like where do you start? Um, <laughs> no, then, it's just market demand, isn't but it? Like? But that's it. It's 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 a case of if you take the Kenny Senior hurling panel and you put everybody on thirty five thousand a year, and then you have to condense your panel down to thirty players at thirty five thousand euro a year. I mean, you're up on what nine million fairly quickly. Well, you? there's no condensing the panels anymore. There's contracts, isn't there? But, but that's it. If you go yeah. this route, yeah. And then, what happens if a player gets dropped off a panel? Is he unemployed? Is he sacked? He can't be because there'd be there'd be all those legal legalities around it where there'd See, be there is. employment law unless they were to be to be contractors. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how it would work. It'd be very risky. Um, see, the only thing I would say is you could have a kind of a an appearance fee type of thing. You get to play in a game. I remember when Athlone years ago, like a friend of mine was playing with him at the time, and I remember him getting paid on a Friday night after his matches. He'd go and collect his wages on the way out. We were going down to the pub for he'd be drinking seven up. We wouldn't drinking his wages. Um, we drink his wages for him. But <laughs> it wasn't that huge money at the time, but yeah. like they were paying everybody from something from seventy pound to two hundred and fifty pound, depending on who it was. So, look, it's not beyond. It's not beyond the realms, but when it does happen, just remember when you're paying twenty euro into a league match, a club league match. This is why you'll be paying twenty euro into a club <laughs> league match is to try and pay for this. Well, that's the thing. I just wonder. I don't know. I think there'll be it have to be thought about a lot. I I can't see it happening uh, in the near future. From being honest with you, for that reason alone, I just think the whole legal thing around it would be very very difficult to. Uh, put into place in a short time frame uh, anything else on that Eddie I suppose we're chatting a lot there about the demands of inter-county hurling um, anything else you'd like to say on it no look it is it's, it's, it's a serious demanding thing as you said it's, it's, it must be a much easier prospect for someone that conceivably thinks they can go and win in All-Ireland than for a team that's probably going to get knocked out early in a championship but I think there's still a lot of pride associated with playing and representing your county there's a lot of pride associated with representing your clubs as well so look it is what it is Um I think when you start hearing the rumblings coming through from players uh, and managements about the amount of workload that's been put on these lads, the next natural step progression is to go semi-pro. And I, I, I'm not so sure. I know you're thinking that it won't happen. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure on that. I, I think it'll happen, and I think it'll happen sooner than you think that there'll be some form of... Uh, I know that they get expenses at the moment, but them expenses will increase to something else, like a, a county player fund. Yeah. And then you'll find that where the real war will start is when Kilkenny players are getting paid five times what loud players are getting paid. Yeah. And then, then it'll be great. Yeah, right? You're in trouble then. Mm. Uh, yeah, sure, we'll see how that all pans out. It's a very interesting conversation as well. We only have interesting conversations on this podcast. Um, we may as well wrap up with what's coming up this weekend Kilkenny and Offaly live on KCLR from quarter to two in UPMC in Olin Park the third round of the Allianz National Hurling League our build up will start after the news at one o'clock with eight time All-Ireland winner Aidan Fogarty for people that can't get to the game um, you would expect Kilkenny are going to win this Eddie yeah I would um, I think there'll be Boy, on from the little break that they've just had um, the week off I think that rest will be well needed uh, Derek would have got a bit of work into the lads they'll be buzzing after the win in Cork as well I think it was it's a strange game like they were so good in the first 20-25 minutes and then they were so poor for a middle blank of about 25 minutes 30 minutes and then they kicked it on again so it was a great win in Parky Cueve it was brilliant to get that win and I think naturally they're going to have to kick on from here now as well um, obviously Jordan Malloy is still going to be an absentee he's going to be out for a little bit I'd imagine um, it'd be interesting to see how many of the 
senior senior players are back into the panel uh, for next week when he when he does announce it. I mean, I presume the likes of TJ and Wally and stuff are going to start coming back into the panel as well. It uh, might still be a little bit early for them, but I still Walter came on against Cork. Of Wally came yeah, on against yeah. Cork, yeah, and then TJ. You know, I'm presuming. Don't know if he's going to be available for the league, as far as I know. Is that the plan? Might be, yeah. It was the same last year now. Now, I know it's different last year because the Shamrocks got to an All Ireland final, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it was. Well, if it, look, but I don't know that for sure. Either. No, but that's it. I suppose last year, as you said, they got the they got that rest um, into the Ballyhale players to give them a chance coming back. But I know it'd be interesting to see what what type of a, a side goes out. Um, no matter what happens, you would expect. Kilkenny to be winning in a home game against Offaly in, oh, yeah. in the National League regardless of what side goes out on the field Offaly themselves I thought they were um, they were good last week um, you know genuinely very I did, good well I, I told you I kind of fancied them quietly I couldn't believe mm. the price they were you know um, but you know Wexford came into Nolan Park and, and, and drew and you know I don't think people were shocked by it because Kilkenny have been struggling yep. and Offaly drew with Wexford last week so you know, on that basis, I know yeah, it's not as simple as that, no, but on that basis, no. you can't just be writing off awfully. But I think the manner and the way Waterford dispatched them the first day kind of showed that with 10 or 15 minutes to go, yeah. they were able to show their class. And I'd imagine something similar will happen in Kilkenny. I think it'll be tight enough for the first half and you'd hope that Kilkenny be able to bulldoze them over in the second half. Kilkenny's next two games after this will probably define their league campaign um, away to Clare and away to Waterford. Um, so with that in mind... Would you go with a very experimental side against Offaly under the kind of hope and expectation that you're going to win this game almost irrespective of who plays? Or is this when you start to really look towards championship and say we need to run a game with our best team and our best players if at all possible? Still very early. It really is. <clears throat> so I would imagine there'll be still a good bit of experimenting going on, I think. You'll be looking at five or six new players again this week. As in, Now when I say new players that have come into the panel over the last... 18 months I would still call a new player yeah. I think 5, 6, 7 of them will probably start against Offaly but I would say that they'll be balanced out by some senior players as well starting to get their first run out Paddy Deegan hasn't played yet has he? No um, You know the likes of someone like Paddy get a game under his belt now soon enough as well and <coughs> pardon me I just think I just think regardless of it going into the last couple of games as you said they're tricky tricky games that's coming up after this so Derek will be looking at that trying to get the win another couple of points on the board and then win one of your last two and you're probably in a league you know you're probably up close top yeah. in that league at that stage and then you know if you, if, if, if what Kenny like have done maybe lose one and draw one game by the end of this campaign I would imagine yeah and seven points then and that, that should, should be enough, see yeah. them through okay and Kenny will be awfully yeah Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Anything else to say, Eddie? No, the map been off. Off the bypass that now as well for the next couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you must? You must think Kenny one hundred percent. Oh yeah, well. no. If they don't, I think I'd. Lo- I can't wait till the Monday after to see the reaction because no, you can't. You can't not beat Offaly. With when when will Kenny fans start going mad? I asked the fellow this the other day. Like, it, like very reserved people, Kenny people. Yeah, but you've been so successful. Like you, you have to. Like, this is. But even know, in our celebrations, we've been reserved. No, but that's because. It, you win them so often it yeah, becomes to an extent I don't know Curry are the same you know but the only thing with Curry now is Curry go four or five years without winning All-Ireland and there's absolute murder down yeah, there but that's just, yeah but like if you think about Curry went eight years 2014 to 2022 celebrations weren't wild not the celebrations weren't wild but mm. the Curry supporters were going bananas that they weren't oh, yeah. winning All-Ireland they're in Kilkenny as well no they're not oh yeah don't hear. it's just a lot it's on the hush 
Oh, it's muted. You texted yeah, you quietly. Yeah, 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 we texted. I'm just what wondering. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, but, but no, like it's it's a genuine question, and, and I mean this as well. And look, it's great. But at what point do you start putting pressure on teams, or putting pressure on players, or putting pressure on management? And I'm not saying it's the right thing to do either. Mm. Don't get me wrong. But I think I I I, I actually think that I think Kenny are going to win the All Ireland this year. And I've said this so yeah. many times already. I genuinely do. I think that the famine is over. Um, but but. I just wonder at what point, like if Kenny were to lose to Offaly in Nolan Park next week, would there be war over it? Or would it be just the it wouldn't be external. There wouldn't be external noise. What I mean by that, you wouldn't be hearing stuff kind of going on outside the county. Nobody would hear the sort of murmurings or anything. But internally, I think <clears throat> already there's a lot of frustration. 100%. Mm. I think so. Like That's why Michael Fenley's been put into a position. Because people, people that are in the game know that something's gone very, very wrong at underage level in Kilkenny. And that has kind of led into the county senior team not winning all earns, and I think there's a huge frustration that the county senior team haven't won all earns. But it just doesn't go. It's we're different sort of people. I don't think we're like Wexford or Waterford or, or different counties where it's kind of aired in public. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but I just don't think frustrations in Kilkenny or celebrations in Kilkenny kind of go beyond the border yeah, or too far it's just, beyond it. I don't, I, I don't know. Like I mean, if you take say Wexford or a place like that, and you get to an All Ireland final regularly. They'd be absolutely thrilled to be getting to these All Ireland finals regularly and, and, and pushing it so close to winning them. Kilkenny are after being in a good few All Ireland finals. Not last. enough, though. Not in Kilkenny, which is a great thing, I think. But it's not enough to be in an All Ireland final. Okay. What do you think? I don't know. It's me. I'd love to be in an All Ireland final. I know, yeah, but it's, it's um, all relative, isn't it? Though? It is. It is. No, 100% it's all relative. I just, it was just one thing. I just said it to. I was, I was out of you a couple of weeks ago and I just said it to. It was a former Kilkenny player. I said, at what point. Will supporters start heaping pressure onto to management and players and things like that? And he said he didn't know. He said he didn't know at what point. He said he felt we were close to that point. And you have to remember, it's so different in Kilkenny. If you think about Kerry, they were successful in the 2000s, say, and early enough 2010s, but they had different managers. So Peter Keane was in there, didn't win the All-Ireland, kind of lost to Cork, I think, in a Munster Championship game, and they were knocked out because it was the COVID era, there was no back door. It was a bit like get out, Peter. Whereas with Kilkenny, we had the greatest hurling manager of all time, albeit he didn't win all Ireland's near the end of his reign. But there was, you know, there's an acceptance that this man has done everything on numerous occasions. So he's not open to criticism in that regard, and rightfully so. Really, you know, Brian Cody is the messiah of Kilkenny hurling, and you're not going to criticize Derek Ling. He's only coming in, so it's a different situation there. I think as well, mm. if that makes sense. Um, that's that's the way I would I would see it anyway. No, and, that, and that's how I'd read it. My own reading on it would be the same. Um, and I definitely think you can't be putting pressure on Derek. He's there. He's been no, in the be, job. It'd be ludicrous. He's been in the job a year. He's gotten to an All Ireland final and won a Leinster Championship. Mm. This is year two. I mean, give him a chance. Brian Cody, as you said, he had done it all and, and done it all multiple times. So you couldn't either. But it'll just be interesting to see what'll happen um, over the next number of months and the whole lot. And that's what I was saying to you. What would the reaction be like? if Kilkenny were beaten by Offaly but I don't think we'll find that out anyway like Tipperary for example uh, we could go on with this for uh, for ages but Tipperary I don't think you hear too much kind of discontent outside of the county but I could imagine there when they didn't win All-Ireland from 2010 up to 2019 there was a lot of frustration within Tipperary I would have thought Oh yeah, definitely. for example. Yeah, no, no, definitely. How many managers did they go through in that period of time? Well, they had Sheedy retired after 2010. Then it went on to Declan Ryan, and after that, they had Eamon O'Shea, and after Eamon O'Shea, they had Michael Ryan, and then well, sure, it was 2016. Then they won the All Ireland in 2016. It was a six-year gap, I should say. Uh, but then after Michael Ryan, it was Liam Sheedy. So they had they had a few. 
No, that's what I'm saying. Mm. It's, it's, it's when you're saying about there's not noise outside the camp. When you see managers changing every other year, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's um, for me anyway. That's that'd be an indication as to the type of noise that's going on there. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I know it'll be interesting. Again, probably another thing that we could. Uh, look at uh, in the future um, but yeah sure we'll leave it at that uh, Eddie thanks for joining me as always uh, that was the Kilkenny Hurling Podcast you can subscribe now and listen anywhere where you do your po- podcast listening including Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts or you can find us on scoreline.ie and we will be back next week to review Kilkenny's game at Offaly and look at all the other stories that are topical in the world of hurling The Kilkenny Hurling Podcast with Eddie Scally and Robbie Dowling brought to you by KCLR and scoreline.ie